0: I was looking forward to retirement. I enjoyed the first few parts of it, and then I was just, I felt I was kind of in a bit of a maelstrom. I kind of lost the enjoyment that I first experienced in retiring, and I didn't really understand that. It wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. I was struggling in in retirement personally. I was busy, but I wasn't really doing things that I thought were particularly meaningful or, or significant.
1: is a show where we'll explore what it means to retire with purpose,
2: to make a difference, to invest in your family, your community, to live to your full potential and explore abundant opportunities to live with purpose and community.
1: From Garden Spot Communities in New Holland, Pennsylvania, welcome to
2: Purpose in Retirement.
1: I'm Scott Miller, the Chief Marketing Officer at Garden Spot Communities.
2: And I'm Juanita Fox, the storyteller.
1: In this season of Purpose in Retirement, we're going to talk with experts who are going to share ways that innovation and our perspective on retirement can improve the quality of our lives and help us to live with purpose and community.
2: In this episode, we're talking with Dr. Riley Moynes, author of the book, The Four Phases of Retirement, What to Expect When You're Retiring.
1: We came across Dr. Moynes when I stumbled upon his TEDx talk from May of this year. Um, he clearly laid out these four phases of retirement, and as I learned about him, I thought, you know, it was just a natural fit for the conversations on our podcast.
2: In just a moment, we'll talk with Dr. Moyne.
1: Dr. Moyne, you know, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: My pleasure. I'm uh, I'm happy to be part of your uh, of your conversation. Look forward to it. Yep. Thank you.
2: To get us started, what is the story you tell about your life experience and your work experiences?
0: Uh, my, uh, my work experiences were essentially, I guess, divided into two almost equal parts. Um, I spent the first 20 years of my working career in public education, uh, a few years uh, in the classroom, which I enjoyed tremendously, and uh, a larger number of years um, as an administrator at, at various levels uh, within the educational system. Um, my final experience was as a director of education. We use that term here in uh, Ontario. I think you are more inclined to use the term superintendent, but it's it's the same it's the same job. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I discovered after. Uh, four or five years in that role, that it was essentially a political role rather than an educational role. I was responsible to uh, 19 trustees and my job was essentially to ensure as best I could that when we brought recommendations to that board that they were that they were passed, that we had a majority. And um, so it was essentially, as I say, a, a political role. Uh, the superintendents who worked with me really ran the schools. Um, and uh, I found after a while that I, I I enjoyed being an educator an educator more than I enjoyed being a politician. So after uh, 20 years in public education, I uh, I resigned and I uh, tried to devote my my teaching expertise uh, to a new field. And I became involved in in uh, wealth management. And I I felt that if I could take some of the lessons that I had learned as a teacher. And if I could apply them uh, in dealing with uh, mostly couples, that I could probably help uh, them to make some pretty good financial decisions. And uh, that constituted the second half of my of my working career. Uh, we created a small firm and did some merging and uh, going public and all that kind of stuff. But through it all, I was essentially working as an advisor, as I say, dealing mostly with couples and trying to provide uh, education and uh, good, sound financial advice, if I could.
1: What led you to study retirement and, and you know, write these, these two books on uh, retirement, the, the four phases and the, the ten lessons?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that question. It's, uh, it's, it's one that I'm, I'm asked often. And I have to say, I guess, by way of introduction, is that I just I wish I knew then what I know now about retirement it would have made life much easier for me. And uh, so my goal is to try to help other people make the transition uh, perhaps more easily than, than I found it. Um, I, I was looking forward to retirement and, and I, I enjoyed the first few parts of it. And then, and then I was just, I felt I was kind of in a bit of a maelstrom. There were, uh, I, I, it, I, I kind of lost the enjoyment that I first experienced in retiring and I didn't really understand that. It wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. Um, And I just, I I was struggling in in retirement personally. I, as I say, it just, I I was busy, but I wasn't really doing things that I thought were particularly meaningful or or significant uh, for me at least. And, and so I, um, you know, my background is in education and, and research and, and so I, I did what I usually do. I went and, and looked at, well, what, what does the literature say about it? And what the literature says about retirement is, is pretty much predictable, I guess. It's a, a very heavy emphasis on investments, uh, portfolio planning, estate planning, wills, powers of attorney, all of those things. Uh, and they're all vitally important for sure but uh, it wasn't what I was looking for. So I decided that if I really couldn't, if I couldn't go to the research, then I had to kind of create the research as it were. And so I simply began to ask as many retirees as I could, people who I thought had, had, it, had it all together. <laughs> yep. uh, I asked them this question. I said, how, how do you squeeze all the juice out of retirement? And I spoke to dozens and, and dozens of of retirees. And what emerged for me from all of those answers, and you can imagine the range of responses that I, that I got. Well, oh, yeah. part of the job, I think, of a good teacher is to, is to take information that at, at first glance might seem to be confusing, uh, unconnected, disconnected, uh, and, and to kind of put it together in an understandable framework or pattern. And as I say, that's what I believe good teaching is. And so that was what I was trying to do. And uh, I didn't have any preconceived ideas of what it should look like. But interestingly enough, the four phases kind of emerged from all of the work that I had done and all of the data that I had collected. And as I, as I kept testing those four phases in, in some of my later interviews, I found overwhelmingly that people were saying, yes, that's exactly it. That's, that's me. And I found that with the TED talk as well, that in in the hundreds of responses uh, that, that have been provided to the TED talk, overwhelmingly people say, yes, this is exactly what I went through. And so there's a kind of a validation that that there's something to these four phases. They do seem to fit for many, many people. And that's really how they were evolved. And, and that's really the basis of, the, uh, of, of my TED talk, of my book, The Four Phases of Retirement, and, and its sequel, which we'll talk about in a moment, uh, and, and the workshops that, that I do as well. It's, it's helping people to learn what those four phases are for those people who are retired at the end of the workshop and at the end of the book, I hope, and the TED Talk, they they know what phase they're in if they're retired. And if they're not retired, they have a bit of a heads up as to what they can almost predictably expect when, when that time comes.
2: So you've referenced the four phases of retirement. Could you just quickly outline them for us and let us know what those four phases are?
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, The four phases uh, begin with uh, phase one, which I call the vacation phase, and that is exactly what it's like. It's what most people expect retirement to be like. It's it's getting up when you want and going to bed when you want, and it involves lots of travel generally, it involves bucket list activities of things that... People didn't have the time or the resources to take care of when they were working, and now they do have the time and hopefully the resources. Uh, it's the idea that uh, uh, their, their lives have been, have been dictated by a routine, and now all of a sudden there's, there's no routine, and people just love it. It, it. It's really all about freedom to do what they want, when they want, if they want, with whom they want, and where they want. That's basically phase one. And as I say, most people um, believe that that represents their ideal retirement. The problem is that what I discovered both personally and in my many, many interviews is that that period, that that phase really only lasts for a couple of years generally, two, one, two, three years. Of course, it varies from person to person. Uh, And so the fact is that at the end of a two or three year period, I find people getting bored. I got bored. It's almost like you know, too much of a good thing is kind of too much. And that's yeah. what people experience in phase one, in, in, in that vacation phase. Um, they actually begin to look for or feel the loss of a routine. There's something in us, I think genetically, that requires a routine Kind of most of the time. Doesn't doesn't have to be every day. And, and as I say, part of the, the the thing that we like most about phase one is that there is no set routine for a while. But when you realize that life expectancy now is so much greater than it was in 1950, for example, when it was about 68 years and people could look forward to a three-year retirement. <laughs> Now, there's a very good chance that baby boomers are going to spend one third of their lives in retirement, quite possibly 30 years or so. So when you're beginning to feel a little bit bored and you start to ask yourself, is that all there is to retirement within a couple of years, uh, you can recognize that there's a problem. And when people do that, they are edging into phase two. Phase two is the most difficult of the phases in my experience. Phase two is when we, uh, I describe it as as a phase where we feel loss and we feel lost. There are five significant losses that uh, almost everyone uh, experiences in phase two. The first is the loss of, of that routine. As I say, lack of a routine is fine for a while. But there's something in us that needs a routine. And so we miss that routine after a couple of years. Uh, There's a loss of identity. And while that's particularly true of of males, it's not exclusively a a male problem. Many of us associate our, our worth with our calling, our profession, our job. And when that job disappears, either through our choice or perhaps even worse through someone else's choice, There is a significant loss of identity. That's combined with a loss of relationships because over a period of time, we build up relationships with people that we work with and some of them become kind of long-term friendships. So all of a sudden that's gone. And yes, you can get together with the guys or the gals every now and then for coffee, but it doesn't take very many of those visits for you to realize as, as I did that they are still in the working mode there in a different world than you are. And I felt like a fifth wheel and I just kind of didn't go back very often. So there's that loss of relationships. Fourth, there's a loss of purpose. Many people find real purpose in the work that they do and, and they take it very seriously. And they, in many cases, they love it and they feel that they're making a contribution. Uh, that's lost in phase in phase two as well. And finally, for some, there's a loss of power. I mean, depending on their, on their, uh, their job trajectory, they may have become responsible for, for budget or for personnel. And all of a sudden, that's gone, and it doesn't matter whether you were a CEO yesterday. today you just may be a guy or a gal in the street. So we don't see these losses coming. That's the first problem. The second problem is that they all hit us at the same time. It's like, poof. It's gone, and it can be very, very traumatic. So that's a real difficulty in in phase two. The world famous Mayo Clinic has indicated that there is a 40% likelihood that when one retires, they will exhibit some aspects of clinical depression. So phase two is a is a is a difficult time. Now to make things even worse worse in phase two. <laughs> We're faced with what I call the three Ds. The three D's, depression. I just mentioned the likelihood of, of feeling depression uh, in retirement. Uh, then there's the there's the rise in the in, in the incidence of divorce at this time of our life, not necessarily associated with retirement per se, but more this time of our lives. And some of the, the statistics with respect to the increase. And the incidents in, in divorce are really quite astounding and then the third d in, in addition to the depression and and divorce is just simple decline both physical and and mental decline and so when you when you tack that on to the already difficulty uh, difficult situation associated with the five losses you can appreciate that it it, it can be a very difficult time for many people and I've discovered, to my surprise and disappointment, that, in fact, the highest rate of suicide in North America today is men over 75. Oh my. So wow. it speaks to the difficulties that are, are associated with, with phase two. Luckily, sooner or later, most of us say to ourselves or to our spouse or significant other, Hey, I I can't go on like this. I do not want to spend the rest of my life, perhaps 30 years, feeling like this. And that's a good sign because that means we've kind of turned a corner and we've moved into phase three. Phase three is what I call the the time of trial and error. And it's a time when people uh, try to discover what it is that's going to make them want to get up in the morning again. What is it that that they can do that's going to make them feel that they're making a contribution the way they did, quite likely, when when they were working? And so uh, it's important in phase three to try as many different uh, um, initiatives, take as many different initiatives, try as many new ventures as one possibly can, because what we're trying to do is to discover that one thing or those few things that really can fuel you and make you want to be a part of 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 life again as as it were but as i've noticed uh, as i've noted and and as i've experienced again it's trial and error and there is a very good likelihood of, of some error or or some or some uh, a failure and certainly i experienced that in 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 my phase three and In my TED talk, I I mentioned two or three examples, one of which was uh, when I served on a a condo board uh, for a while, until I finally got tired of being yelled at, (laughs) because it didn't seem to matter what we did, you know, there was always criticism, and and of course we're doing it on a volunteer basis, Uh, and that kind of wore on me after, after a while. Uh, I began to think about law school. I'd always thought about law school and I thought more seriously about it. And I thought, you know, that's a big commitment right now. Maybe I'll become a, a paralegal. Uh, and I actually completed a, a program on, on alternate dispute resolution. I had high hopes for, for exciting things to go on. It all went nowhere. It Like absolutely, it fell flat. Um, and then one more example. I love to write, and so I created a program called Getting Started on Your Memoirs, hoping that that might be helpful to some people. That has met with what I call limited success. <laughs> and I could go on, but I won't. Trial and error phase three is is what we have to we have to do. Now, not everyone breaks through to phase four. In fact, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Not everyone breaks through to phase four. Some people stay in phase one. Some, unfortunately, stay in phase two. Uh, Some kind of are back and forth among the phases. Uh, But those who break through to phase four, and phase four is what I refer to as the time when we reinvent and rewire, they are some of the happiest people that I have ever met. And those are the people that I wanted to interview and spoke to and uh, tried to document in, in my sequel, The Ten Lessons. And they were really conversations with people who I considered to be phase four retirees who were excited, who just couldn't find enough time in the day at all, to do all the things that they wanted to do. And they just kind of exuded excitement. And I didn't really have that much time to unfortunately share those stories in that book and that's what led to the podcast where I interviewed people uh, who had in my opinion were squeezing all the juice out of retirement and we had a longer period of time for them to converse. So essentially those are the four phases. In phase four I believe only 50 to 60 percent of retirees actually reach phase four which to me is the ideal phase that we should be that we should be seeking and uh, my friend Bill who I, I mentioned in, in the podcast and I are currently exploring ways that we might be able to contribute to to increasing uh, that percentage of people who do reach to uh, reach to phase four. So in a nutshell, those are the four phases.
2: Um, in your book you talk about phase two, you, say, you write, this plunge into the abyss of insignificance, or as others have described it, the drop from the top, mm-hmm. is one of the top ten traumas most humans face in their entire lives. Yeah. And based on the conversation that we just had about what happens in phase two, that depression, mm-hmm. that loss, um, yeah. I can fully understand that. That that makes sense why that would be a very traumatic time for us. What was mm-hmm. your experience, and what kind of pushed you to consider new ideas in phase three.
0: Well, again, it was it was it was kind of th- this feeling of 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 loss, uh, a feeling a feeling lost, of really not knowing what was next, of uh, uh, w- where to turn. Um, I mean, there is no doubt that that uh, retirement has been documented as one of life's top ten traumas, right up there with job changes and. Mm-hmm death of a spouse and, uh, and divorce and, you know, those other, uh, and moving for as another stressor. So it's, it's there. And I experienced, I experienced it all. I I didn't know that I was in phase two because I hadn't kind of created even the name as yet. Sure. Um, And one of the things that I did discover uh, is, uh, and I guess I, I knew it, but it was brought, brought home to me is that as human beings, we have a tendency to think that our current situation will remain in existence over a long period of time. We believe that what is true for us now will continue to be true. And we don't always see that there are other possibilities. And so one of the real advantages, in my opinion, and one of, I hope, the gifts that comes from thinking of the four phases is a recognition of the fact that regardless of where you might be on this journey right now, that doesn't have to be the end, that there is something else that you can reach for if you want to. And I'm hoping that people want to reach to phase four, if at all possible.
2: So how can people purchase your book or how can they connect with you?
0: hmm. Uh, well, they um, they could visit uh, our website, thefourphases.com. dot and uh, on that website they can uh, they can uh, purchase the book if they would if they would like. That would be delightful. Uh, all uh, net proceeds from the sale of that uh, of both books uh, actually go to a, uh, a charity that I support called Water Ambassadors Canada. And Water Ambassadors Canada is a charity that helps to provide clean drinking water for those who do not have access to it. Hmm. Uh, the lack of clean drinking water is the world's largest source or cause of death and disease, and it is the actually the easiest uh, of these huge problems to, to solve. It's a matter of providing clean drinking water. That's what I use the, the proceeds of the two books to, uh, to support.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, thanks so much.
2: Dr. Moynes was very insightful, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he really was. You know, I appreciated the stages and the promise that we don't have to get stuck in a particular stage if we don't want to.
2: Exactly, we created a PDF entitled Things That Happen When You Retire. The PDF explains the four phases Dr. Moynes outlined. One, vacation time, two, a time of loss, Three, trial and error. And four, reinvent. Before we go, let's not forget our giveaway.
1: If you contact us through our website, gardenspotcommunities.org, and you mentioned the podcast before December 31st, 2022, we'll enter you into a drawing for a hot air balloon ride for two. Thank you for listening to Purpose in Retirement. I'm Scott Miller.
2: And I'm Juanita Fox.
1: Special thanks to Dr. Riley Moines for joining us for this podcast.
2: Our senior producer and host is Scott Miller.
1: And our co-host is Juanita Fox.
0: Our producer is Sharon Sparks.